Hello, and welcome to StumbleUpon. I'm Austin. And I'm Emily. Today we're going to be discussing, while you were sleeping, about a boy and last Christmas. As always, there'll be plenty of swearing and spoilers. But if that doesn't scare you, then grab a bowl of popcorn, make some hot chocolate, and get ready to lie your ass off, because we're going to be discussing holiday movies. Austin, would you like to give us a synopsis for While You Were Sleeping? Absolutely. A hopelessly romantic Chicago Transit Authority token collector is mistaken for the fiancé of a coma patient. I love that synopsis. I do too. It's fucking weird. It's so good. Okay. Uh, Emily, would you like to give us the synopsis for About a Boy? Why, thank you for asking. I absolutely would. About a Boy is about a cynical, immature young man who is taught how to act like a grown-up by a little boy. Which feels really creepy as a as a synopsis. I'll be honest with you. I don't like that synopsis, but I didn't write it. I kind of love the idea that you're like, I'm gonna put you in a tie, I'm gonna put I'm gonna I'm gonna dress you, you're gonna act like a grown-up. Because little boys know how grown-ups act. I know. This is like a super (laughs) creepy it it does give like Uh weird vibes. Yeah. But um cool. Anyway, Austin, would you like to give us a synopsis for last Christmas? Sure. Uh last Christmas. A hot mess of a woman meets a mysterious young man during the Christmas season who brings out the best in her. But is he too good to be true? Bum, bum, bum. He's not real. Yeah, spoiler. Spoiler, he's a ghost. (laughs) Or maybe, like, this would be the shittiest spoiler. A hot mess of a young woman meets a mysterious man during the Christmas season who brings out the best in her. Is he actually her heart? <laughs> a trans, a woman who recently had a transplant mm-hmm. discovers her heart is a ghost walking around as a beautiful man played by Henry Golding. Yeah. She falls in love with a heart in her chest and starts to ask her questions about how much self-love really means to her. Actually, that's a better synopsis. I win. Uh, last Christmas, an exploration of self-love. <laughs> oh, but then they got to play the, the Annie Lennox song instead of all the George Michael. Uh-huh. When I think about you. The Annie song? Annie Lennox. Nope, not Annie Lennox. Who sings that song? The Divinals. No. Yes, it's the Divinals. You're welcome, audience. It's not Annie Lennox. Uh, yeah. What the hell? At least you got the lyrics right. Uh, that's something. And let's not lie, that doesn't happen very often, no, everybody. It does not. <laughs> I am notorious for getting the lyrics wrong. Are you sure? Yes, I am sure. I am 100% sure. Damn it. I would. I would bet you. Oh, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Dinner for the rest of my life. Mm, well, we're not gonna make a bet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was thinking of Sweet Dreams. Yes. Sweet dreams are made of these. Much different song. But I, I sang another song, <laughs> yes. which was appropriate to my story. <laughs> yes. And then I thought about Annie Lennox. So, so thematically, you were correct in in your story process, even if the subject matters and topics were wrong. Welcome to Stumble Upon. <laughs> Emily Gallagher's exploration of songs she thought someone else wrote. (laughs) So here we go. And here we go. (laughs) So today's kind of a big day for us Mm -hmm. on the day we're recording this. Right. We released our official movie trailer for our feature film Citywide. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty damn exciting. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, so it's in our show notes. Mm -hmm. So if you haven't seen it on our Instagram page, which is at Fishtown Films, Mm -hmm. definitely check out our trailer for the very first Zero Waste movie. And in case you don't know what Zero Waste is, Mm -hmm. a little background on that. 
Zero waste means we generated no trash for the landfill while creating this movie from the beginning to the very end. Mm -hmm. Took us about three years to make the movie. Mm -hmm. uh, from writing it all the way through production and now in post-production. And uh, that meant we generated a total of 16 ounces, one small pizza sauce jar worth of trash. Yeah. And what's exciting about that is that nobody else has attempted to do this yet. Mm -hmm. We are the very first. And we believe in living our values. So we made this movie, which is a super fun romantic thriller comedy called Citywide. Um, we decided to make that zero waste and challenge ourselves on a whole new level. Mm -hmm. Okay. So check out our show notes and watch Citywide, the trailer, mm -hmm. and stay tuned for the new year when the movie will be coming out. Yeah. We'll keep you updated. So today's films... We're, we're going to take a little different tack than we have in the past. We're going to talk about all three of the films kind of all at once, intertwining kind of how we watched it, which was just we watched them all in a row and kind of have had a conversation ongoing about how these three Christmas films interact with each other or, or, or relate to each other in some way. Because yeah. I, I find, I think, that a lot of times when we do talk about films between us or when I talk with other people, it's kind of this conversation about how it relates to something else rather than just it in a vacuum. So mm -hmm. we're going to try a little bit something different mm -hmm. this time. So the films, like While You Were Sleeping, About a Boy, and Last Christmas, were made in three different eras. So mm -hmm. uh, While You're Sleeping is the 90s, About a Boy is the early aughts, and Last Christmas came out in 2019, I believe. That is correct. And they all tackle the time around Christmas mm -hmm. and New Year's in it in their own way. Yeah. And they all tackle family life in their own way and how one relates to family. Mm -hmm. And they all tackle love and loneliness. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a theme throughout all of them. Yeah. All three protagonists of the films are uh, single at the time that the film starts and uh, are like, in a lot of ways, I would say that they... <sighs> That society would look at them as not being fully successful people in in the terms of uh, of family or life choices. They can be like the Hugh Grant's character is independently wealthy, but he is somebody who hasn't worked a day in his life. Uh, he does nothing, as he says over and over again, scaring uh, romantic prospects away. Uh, uh, Sandra Bullock in While You're Sleeping is uh, working at the. Like, SEPTA, essentially, or yeah, CTA, I guess, CTA, in Chicago. Yeah, and, and and is alone. Her parents have passed away. She has a small group of friends that seems to be mostly work-related and or uh, apartment building-related. Mm -hmm. Location-based. Yeah, <laughs> and Amelia Clark's character in Last Christmas uh, is kind like... A hot mess. Is a hot mess. She seems personally estranged from her own family for, for various reasons, um, and and is burning through the possibility of places to crash because she is, as Emily just said, a hot mess. Mm -hmm. So, like starting from from, do you want to start kind of with the the main characters and yeah. a little bit about them? Let's and, do it. Yeah, and I know that this is a film that you absolutely adore. Like I love this movie. Like that that it, you you in fact were kind of nervous to do it on the podcast because you were afraid that you were going to sort of disrespect it or disrespect your memory of it no i just think it's really difficult sometimes to talk about movies that are kind of part of my core self mm -hmm. because 
they're sort of part of my origin story. Mm -hmm. I don't remember a time where I didn't know and love this movie. I couldn't tell you when I first watched it. Mm -hmm. And so it's really sometimes difficult to talk about them from a critical perspective or even just kind of an academic perspective because it just, it's just so me. Yeah. It's so part of myself. But I think doing it in the context that we're talking about today, where we're just talking about themes and we're exploring how everybody, how these different decades are tackling these same issues. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of, is really interesting. And so I'm, I'm we're going to try, see yeah. how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> so um, starting with the, with while you're sleeping, like yeah. you, you say you've seen this film many, many times. It's part of who I am. Uh-huh. And for myself, I I was introduced to it by you a couple of years ago and it started to become a consistent presence in our uh, in our holiday uh christmas movie watching and and i'll say that there are lots of this film that i really really enjoy and there's parts of it that haven't really been that don't really work for me like it kind of pacing wise or Mm -hmm. or even like direction wise it feels a little bit off but but for the most part the most incredible thing about this film is like this is sandra bullock right at the time where she is popping off as a star. Like mm-hmm. this is this is in the era of practical magic and in the era of of speed and becoming this incredibly seemingly relatable uh movie star. Yeah, she sort of defines herself or she is defined by the movie industry as mm-hmm. the ultimate girl next door. Mm-hmm. Like the the somehow this incredibly stunning and in ridiculously talented human charming as fuck totally attainable for everyone yeah which makes no sense right but that's how it was presented Mm -hmm. and um it kind of i think about this film and i think i love it so much in part because it informed so much of my understanding of who like i could be as a grown-up woman Mm -hmm. um it's way too heteronormative for my tastes and for who i am as an identity but you go back to that 90s, like big, chunky, ridiculously huge sweaters mm-hmm. and her big, chunky boots. And just like the idea, not just they present it as her being comfort, comfortable mm-hmm. and her style as being really organic. Mm-hmm. And we'll discuss style and and costuming in a bit. Um, but it actually, no, we're going to jump in right now and talk Do, about costuming right yeah, now. Why yeah, are we going to wait? Yeah. Like, you're going to tease. No, yeah. let's just jump in. Yeah. She So yeah, costuming. Okay, so her costume, her big, huge wool organic type of sweaters, like these are natural materials. Mm-hmm. Her huge, chunky ass, ass kicking boots. Mm-hmm. Um, her coat that her, was her father's that she wears. It's too big on her. Yeah. Um, there's all these elements of like her past and and her like you kind of wonder if some of the sweaters are her dad's too maybe mm-hmm. that's what they're going with and it's so interesting when you compare with who she falls in love with with the Bill Pullman character childhood crush uh-huh. um, but both of them <laughs> but, but um, what's interesting is like you see we were talking about this earlier that he is also wearing like flannel and denim and there's these really like man of the earth his reversible jacket his reversible jeans jacket his actually reversible jacket he wears it both ways (laughs) and it's the only jacket he wears it's so great Uh uh-huh i love it and there's something about that even that i would like i'd love to continue this but i'd like to point out like this film as well as both about a boy and last christmas their stakes are relatively low like it's not change the world type of shit. It's Mm-mm. like, I would like to go to Florence. 
Like that's an achievable goal in life. Like that's mm-hmm. like those stakes are not something that we typically have in in a lot of films now. Like still right. romantic comedies, or pre- even look at Speed, the next movie she does. Yeah, like you're gonna blow up yeah. if you stop driving the bus this fast. Right. So it's like having these characters who look and kind of present as average or middle class or lower middle class even mm-hmm. like and having them be the primary heroes of the film is pretty pretty exceptional for for even to look at now like about a boy is slightly different because he's rich he's so rich but he's also looked down on yes but we can get into, we'll that. Get into like, that next like his stylings is still not glamorous he's mm-hmm. not wandering around as if he's in crazy rich asians or, mm-hmm. or or something of that ilk like it's there's still something very it's not obscene yeah there's something achievable in all of all the stylings that everybody in the three films have mm-hmm. which i find really charming and really endearing because they feel in costuming very relatable or or somebody that you could actually meet you're not like it doesn't feel like they're going to show up in a bentley and be like well how the fuck am i going to know this person i don't understand what a bentley really is well and that is interesting to bring up because if you think about peter gallagher's character who has the greatest eyebrows of all time Mm -hmm. and a wonderful last name yeah big fan of his name yeah i mean it just rolls off the tongue gallagher you love it yeah it it would be better if it was gallagher gallagher works too yeah as we learned yes from being in ireland Uh uh-huh nobody liked the way i pronounced my name (laughs) um i was like wait okay i will listen to you i I guess i'm the one who's wrong i'm wrong (laughs) okay um and we probably were um probably (laughs) but but uh, Peter Gallagher's character is incredibly wealthy. He has a ridiculously huge apartment. Mm-hmm. He seems like he's still stuck in the 80s in a bunch of his costuming as mm-hmm. his amazing girlfriend, mm-hmm. Ashley Bartlett Bacon. Yep. But there's just something really interesting about how through costuming, we are the, the costumer is tipping the hat, the filmmaker is tipping the hat to the audience that Peter Gallagher's character isn't correct for... Sandra Bullock mm-hmm. because of her clothing like what she does is she matches like beautifully seamlessly matches with Bill Pullman's character mm-hmm. and that is the, and I knew you could argue oh are they saying that classism they in yeah. fact do discuss that yeah like that she's not classy enough to be his mm-hmm. girlfriend and that's certainly how she interprets what what Bill Pullman's character is saying but and you could argue that's an argument within the costuming where like mm-hmm. he keep people separate that don't belong together right but it's also an interesting way of being like, no, look how organically they do blend. Right. It's interesting that the film is willing to talk about class here because because what it does by doing that is present options for viewing the characters outside of just how they're presenting to us. We, we get to look at them outside of themselves. And I think the film very, very clearly comes down on this idea that the rich class are a bunch of fucking idiots. Yeah. Because... Uh, like Ali Walker's character, the uh, Ashley Bartlett Bacon. Ashley Bartlett Bacon. Yeah, is it comes in when she comes in wearing her fancy clothes and having her uh, nose that he paid for and her boobs that he paid for, p- him being Peter Gallagher, uh, like is is also presented kind of terribly mm-hmm. in the same way that Peter is presented terribly or Peter Gallagher's character is p- presented uh, uh, terribly. It's It's a fascinating kind of like, again, similarity. Both of these people are awful people, so they should des- they deserve to be together. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill Pullman and uh, Sandra Bullock are nice people, so they should be mm-hmm. together. 
And if you take that to the class structure, you're almost saying that the working class is really nice and the higher class is full of, of fucking idiots, which maybe... Yeah, it's broad strokes. Yeah, it's it, broad strokes. But but it's, but that that is what they that's what is being applied. Yeah, by most, the film most definitely. And Ashley Bartlett Bacon's husband, who shows up, oh, is is equally uh, uh, chaotic and and destructive and in his, in his brief moment. Also, all of them have this super eighties vibe to them, which yeah. I loved. I loved it. I loved it. I loved I, it. I I truly look at them and I think none of them would be out of place in Alan Rickman's gang. In a diehard, like they all could have been members of his villainous gang. All three of those characters could have been just gun-toting lunatics in <laughs> in oh. Die Hard. Oh my god! Now you have just created the, a master film. Mm-hmm. Die Hard while you were sleeping. Yeah, this is amazing. <laughs> and we're gonna make it. We're gonna recreate it oh. with whoever's left over. I'm yeah. sorry, Alan Rickman. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but it is interesting to think about what are we, uh, what is this film admiring and what is it kind of shaming? Yeah. And how it is true for all three films. And that's a fascinating thing that you're bringing up just in that because of Joey Jr. Yeah. Like thinking about what it's valuing, what it's shaming. Because Joey Jr. is a very fascinating character to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the the apartment mate. Like he lives in the same apartment building as uh, Sandra Bullock's yeah, character. Yeah, his uncle owns the building. Right. Right, or is the manager or yeah. landlord or something? Yeah, uh, he has he has some some power, I guess. Mm-hmm. But Joey Jr. is a buffoon, mm-hmm. but he's a he's an oh, like he's a lovable kind buffoon. He's mm-hmm. not a creep. Mm-mm. He like and yet he does some things that like in the film you could easily shame him for. Like there's a moment where he's shoved into a closet by Sandra Bullock to uh, uh, have a like have confusion not take place when Bill Pullman's character shows up at mm-hmm. her house. And when he, when she opens the closet door after Bill Pullman leaves, he's trying on her shoes. Mm-hmm. And it is played for a joke, but mm-hmm. it's not played to shame him. No, which is really important, especially in the 90s when people yeah. were queer shaming across the boards. Yeah, it, it's a really fascinating moment, this this just beat. Which which was brought back at the end yep. when he's upset about uh, his his ex his girlfriend who just broke up with him mm-hmm. and she brings him into the apartment and she's like do you want to try on my shoes and he's like yeah yeah and, and you're like that's yes thank you yeah and while you can laugh at the moment it's and probably did have a bunch of laughs in the theater over that it's not played as if he's a terrible person because he wants to do it she's playing it out of empathy and kindness to him yeah which is a an, a very early adopter in that kind of language on such a mainstream stage. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it was really encouraging to have such a a, a manly man mm-hmm. be identified, being emotionally available, yep. having an emotional IQ, yeah. wanting to talk, being open with mm-hmm. exploring his queerness. Yeah. Um, whatever. We don't know where he's going from here. Yeah. He might not know yet. We know he just came out of prison. Yeah. So we know that he's had a rough life mm-hmm. and he's he's trying to define himself. He does really sweet things for her all the time and yeah. it definitely could vibe as creep. Yeah. Um, and I think that they were sort of trying to do that, but I think the actor did such a good job. Yeah. And brought so much to the table that it immediately became empathetic. Yeah. I would I would say that in different hands and a different attitude played towards this. He could be an incredible sociopathic creep. He could mm-hmm. be, it could be uh, a scene out of like the toolbox murders where you're just like, this is fucking horrifying. Yeah. Like, this is not great. But 
as played in this film and presented in this film, you're like, oh, these people actually care for Joey Jr. Joey Jr. is not to be just laughed at. Mm-mm. He's not he is not the court jester. He might do buffoonery, but he's not like he is an empathetic human being, even when you're going, well, you're kind of doing things that are a tiny bit shady. Well, and I feel like he's just honest. Yeah. I mean, I know he's lying about dating her. Yeah. Um, he's he's you know trying to he, he, present. He, he's you know what what are you reaching? What he's are, aspirational. He's aspirational. He's trying to he's trying to live. Uh, what is it? The 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 promise. The the dream. The the oh the secret. The, the secret. He's trying to live the secret. <laughs> he's like, if I say that I'm dating Sandy Bullock, I'm going to be dating her. Yeah, that's like don't lie to people about who you're dating. <laughs> yep. Um. Yeah. Lesson. But but other than that, uh, he is bringing her flowers he's getting tickets to shows to take her mm-hmm. he's but when she's like for sure no he moves on yeah and he's dating somebody else yep um and then they become friends yes and i think that's really i love joey jr it, i think he's just so funny and so sweet and like that whole scene where he's paying attention to bill pullman like leaning mm-hmm. and that whole conversation like the leaning oh, conversation God, is great. really fucking great it's so funny yeah but it's also funny because you know he's just He's not get. He's not like coming and interrupting. Yeah. He's not getting in between them physically. Mm-hmm. He's just like, hey, you okay? Yeah. You okay? Okay. Yeah. He's he's actually presenting a clear language to how you can communicate mm-hmm. with somebody that you like, but you realize isn't going to be that person for you. Mm-hmm. Like you can still have a relationship, a platonic and caring relationship, without it becoming something else. Mm-hmm. And there's something really nice and genuine about how they go about telling that. Like, they do that with every single character in the film. Yeah. Like, every single side character, which is something that I think that all three of these films do an exceptional job with, is building out the roster of characters that are around the main characters that are incredibly, wonderfully fulfilled. Mm -hmm. The family that uh, Sandra Bullock's character wants to, is interested in getting involved with, uh, is just an exceptionally beautiful rendering of what you hope from a family that sounds like they could be incredibly toxic would be. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely, the family is is a core reason why I love this movie. Mm-hmm. It I come from a very large family. Mm-hmm. We are Irish, Polish Catholics. Mm-hmm. I know it surprises you to hear that Emily Gallagher is Irish Catholic. Um, <laughs> and and it's just, it's, but the, the insanity of the home, the dinners, the crazy around the holidays, the... Mm-hmm. The constant conversations with everyone, the interjecting. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, the church scene is like straight out of my family. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, so many just talking, 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 talking through church and interrupting <laughs> and people getting mad around you and you being like, what is your problem? And the grandma being like, I wish it was in Latin so we didn't have to understand it. I mean, that's my grandma for you. Um, so it's just, I have such, I have such a big, big space in my heart for the family mm-hmm. because they are just so incredible and really authentic yeah in in their their drawing like how they were structured and written Mm -hmm. feels super authentic yeah and it's it's fascinating how to me like it's fascinating how that film dovetails then with with about a boy's family because Mm -hmm. the like about a boy starts off with two narrations one about being alone and, and wanting it to be that way, and the other about needing to build something greater than yourself. And that at the core of that, at the core of About a Boy, there's this discussion of 
how do you build your own family? How do you build it with, uh, with, uh, with, with strangers, Mm -hmm. with, uh, people that you're bringing into your life? Like, do you need that? Mm -hmm. And it is something that Sandra Bullock's character is looking for in in while you were sleeping because she's lost all of hers. Mm -hmm. And to like, to view that film in concert with, uh, about a boy is really fascinating to me because he doesn't want to. The, the Hugh Grant character in About a Boy has no interest in bringing anybody in. Mm-mm. like Because he's been burned. Yeah. He's been burned uh, by his family, his mm-hmm. origin family. Yeah. And so he's like, fine, I don't need it. And, and as being independently wealthy, he doesn't have to. Mm-hmm. And so his, his journey, because of Nicholas Holt's character, mm-hmm. his journey um, to discovering that he actually does want to create his own family is really beautiful. Yeah. And I don't know, really important to tell. It's interesting that you would go from the 90s wanting to buy, to get into an origin family mm-hmm. to the 2000s being like, no, 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 construct your own. Yeah. Like you don't the, have to worry about it. Like the ideal for the film in, uh, or the, the happy ending for the end of uh, While You're Sleeping is, we got married, he took me to Florence. Mm-hmm. The ideal ending for About a Boy is you, you're still an island, but you need to have an island chain. Mm-hmm. Like that you're like you're still an individual, but you need other individuals around you to help. Mm-hmm. And then by the time we get to uh, last Christmas, yeah. like the actual the the ending that I feel about last Christmas is she has to take she has to accept herself mm-hmm. as a person and accept who she is and all the things that have built up to create her as who she is who she's become yes who she's you're, you're absolutely right who she's become and that's what the film is about mm-hmm. and so we've almost we've gone from like the 90s being a film about uh joining somebody the aughts being a film about having other people and then uh, the teens being well i'm okay with myself mm-hmm. i have to be okay with myself like Grieving your past self and accepting your your now self. Yeah, and that's like it's an exceptional arc of uh, of like of therapy, basically yeah. of of accepting the problems that are presented in your life and who you are and how they create you to the point that you need to be fine with who you are rather than saying I can fix this by having somebody else in my life. Mm-hmm. I can just add on I can get married I can fix my problem Mm -hmm. if I just bring more people in and And, you're like well first you got to fix you and that's a fascinating conversation that happens that actually happens in about a boy the Tony Mm -hmm. Collette character who is fucking phenomenal and let me just say this so good when I first saw this film I like back in what 2002 or 2003 whenever it came out I I looked at Tony Collette's outfits and like wow those are strange and now I'm like wow I really love her I know her outfits are amazing But like she's so Philly. Yep. Like I, I, I have come around and I have been proven wrong. And she was right. She she was right. And the costume was right. Those yeah. outfits are fucking cool. They're great. But like I love I love her her conversations and her growth in the film mirrors like it does the film does an exceptional job mirroring the growth of everybody in it. Like how uh how Hugh Grant's character grows, how Tony Collette's character grows, how uh, Nicholas Holt's character grows. They all grow at the same rate and are like, while they're not coming to the same answer for each person, it's not so uniform that everybody agrees on everything. The idea that you have to start taking care of yourself, mm-hmm. but those that are around you are affected. 
affected by it mm-hmm. is such a wonderful conversation to be having in a film. It is. And how not only you have to take care of yourself and how that affects people, but by taking care of yourself, you can affect people. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's both. You, you have to use the resources you have mm-hmm. so you can strengthen yourself to be able to better care for other people as well as you. Yeah. Which is which is interesting. And I do like that the evolution from that is to you got to take care of you. Mm-hmm. Like the whole film of last Christmas is you got to get right with yourself and mm-hmm. who you are now mm-hmm. and be okay with you mm-hmm. so that you can become your best self. Yeah. In whatever way that is. Like it doesn't have to be whatever parameters you thought you had to have. But recreate those parameters. Yeah. It's really interesting. So I think I, I would be interested in hearing some of your thoughts about the character representation in About a Boy, which is also a very heteronormative film. In fact, all three of these are very heteronormative. Oh, yeah. And, and, and it, it wouldn't really hurt. Really, sis. It, it wouldn't hurt to have some more representation in any of these films. But, like, we can't do shit and about that so right now. white. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, this is, for, for the is. majority, it is like, just true. And, and, and while and, and while Last Christmas does an interesting job of uh, bringing in Brexit and mm-hmm. uh, immigration concerns into the 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 structural stress of the characters involved, like it, it's, I mean, Last Christmas does like a really good job actually having uh, Henry Golding mm-hmm. and Michelle Yeoh mm-hmm. and having some representation. Uh, in the film, and and that's that's actually quite lovely, and and not really even outside of uh, outside of Emilio Clark's character being surprised that her boss's character is not actually named Christmas, Santa, Santa, not actually named Santa. Like like there's there's some really love like there is some really lovely moments in in, in that film that like I'll I'll just jump back and and say that there's actually good representation in that film comparatively. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Definitely compared. I also really like that Michelle Yeoh's character changes her name mm-hmm. depending on where she's working. Yep. And I really like Kitty. that idea, Kitty, when she works at the pet, like pet she, store, pet store or the rescue. Yeah. I'm just like, I want to start changing my name depending on what I do. Yeah. But I keep doing the same thing, and I don't know, like, mm-hmm. how that would work. So I have to think on that. You just have to change your name randomly to yeah. different jobs that you're on. So like DP. Right. So it's Th- not fun. Kind of weird. It's not fun. Yeah. I got to come up with cooler names. Yeah. <laughs> digress out of the three films uh, about a boy is the least christmasy like the thing that ties it to christmas for me is the fact that hugh grant's character's father wrote a christmas song that that everybody knows and it ends on christmas day right but it's like but the reality of the film it doesn't really take place on christmas Mm -mm. it just happens into it but i think that one thing that like one thing that i that draws me to the fact of it being a christmas film is that it's about coming together as a group of people and accepting all of the flaws that are in your groups that are in your, in your family structures. And mm-hmm. I think that that's like, I think it does a really interesting job having an open conversation about all of the flaws. Like Hugh Grant's character is a piece of shit, like mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, yeah. like he lies to women to sleep with them. Yeah. That is a piece of shit move. Like he, he starts to become a better person and people allow him to evolve and see him empathetically. And I think that that's really what the acceptance of 
of people being multiples of themselves or multitudes of having is something that fascinates me about these about about a boy in general because like Tony Collette's character she tries to kill herself at the time that she gives her son to somebody else to watch that's also a piece of shit move uh, and then to to, to commit to to have an attempted suicide in your home where your child would come home and find you i mean it doesn't mean you're a piece of shit it means you are so profoundly lost and sad and that you leave your you leave a note and then you don't get it before he uh he comes back or you don't tell anybody where it is to grab it like they're all find it yeah it's all like the amount of tragedy that that film Mm. actually like invests narrative space to Mm -hmm. and yet is still really really charming and endearing and you could you could say oh well they're 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 not doing it justice, but I think that like that's kind of it. Like you do justice to tragedy by existing within the whole well realm of it. Like mm-hmm. it's tragedy is not just sad. Tragedy is the sad parts of funny that still seep in. Like mm-hmm. like the fact that like there's a great scene when Will is confronted. The Hugh Grant's character is confronted by one of the girls that he tried to sleep with, and she yells at him, and uh. Uh, about it and rightfully does so and then uh tony collette is there and she gets upset at her son for trying to defend uh hugh grant and then hugh grant like diffuses it by yelling about her son about the nicholas holt character killing a duck with her loaf of bread Mm -hmm. and it's a kind of a wonderful encapsulation of this whole thing of like there's there's so much going on there are so many threads happening in that scene. There's mm-hmm. Nicholas Holtz, the young boy's budding mentorship and friendship with uh, Hugh Grant. Mm-hmm. There's the mother's struggle with who she is in relationship to both of those characters, who she is in relationship to her to her son. And then there her friend showing up who has a completely different relationship to all of this. And there, so there are multitudes of things happening in that scene. And it's still diffused by the fact that the son killed a duck with a heavy loaf of bread. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's a lovely representation, I think, of what the film is trying to do, which is show that there are there's a lot of things that happen in a person's life that can be explained in different ways all at the same time. I also would say what's cool about it and what uh, what I find interesting about it is that it's flawed. So Tony Collette's character doesn't handle her suicide attempt necessarily very well mm-hmm. uh, with her child. She's a bit dismissive of him mm-hmm. in finding the note and being like, well, I didn't know you were going to, I didn't think I was going to have to worry about explaining to you the note so mm-hmm. that I was going to die. And you're like, whoa, okay, yep. nice trauma that you just gave him. Yep. Well, I mean, you already gave him a bunch, but thanks for adding that on. Yeah. But that's true. Like you, you aren't going to be, if you're, committing suicide if you're this depressed this sad this mm-hmm. in this much trouble you're not going to be necessarily nailing it right all the time right and and i think when you're happy and you're you're super healthy and you have all the resources in the world you're still not nailing it every time right um i think we're so messy as humans and i do appreciate that at least two of these films about a boy and last christmas are leaning into the messiness of life and that you can fuck. I mean, yes, all three. Yeah. Because the, the whole purpose of while you're sleeping <laughs> is that she screws up by lying about that she's not re- dating this this man in a coma. Not, not engaged to. She's not. 
No. Yeah. She is not engaged to the man in a coma. We're just going to pretend it is yeah, it, true. So you're right. We're messy and everything. Yeah. And, and it's interesting in about a boy also because she, like, the Tony Collette character, the, 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 the scene that you're describing is, is wonderfully paralleled later when Hugh Grant meets Rachel Weiss, who I will also say, Rachel Weiss somehow manages to to just like get out of the the early aughts terrible clothing thing. And I know what I said about Tony Collette, but generally the clothing in the early aughts was fucking awful. It was like, rough for us ladies. The, the low rise jeans are just fucking the worst. They it hit was no low. one well. They no. they are just they're they are the most offensive thing that has 90s happened. 90s yeah. and aught fashion for women mm-hmm. was profoundly bad. Yeah. And we were so stuck in these horrible clothes that were not designed for women's bodies. Yeah. And they were and, like, forget about your hips, forget about your boobs. We're not going to no. account for them in any of the clothing. Yeah. And all the other clothing for all the other women in About a Boy are, is rough. Like, it's yeah, not great. And somehow, rough. and somehow, like, I imagine somewhere in a writer, uh, Rachel Weiss was like, no terrible clothing must be classic. I must look like I could also exist in a 1940s film. I'm just going to have beautiful gowns. Imagine Edith Head did this for me or fuck off. Oh, God bless. Yeah. I hope that is what her writer always says. She's just ageless and yeah. timeless and beautiful and never ages. Yeah. Which is amazing. Yeah. But that scene where, where, when Hugh Grant finally breaks it to her that he doesn't actually have a boy. He's mm-hmm. not, he's not, he's not the boy's father. He's uh, something else. And that he let, he let her, like she just assumed. So it was mm-hmm. her fault. Like how he handles that so terribly mm-hmm. is exceptional. Like, and it's like, it allows him to fail and allows her to be kind of in charge of the scene by letting him fail over and over again. Mm-hmm. And the scene also does a really interesting thing, which is by the end of it, it doesn't feel like the door is completely closed mm-hmm. on their relationship. It feels like he fucked up and he knows it and he needs to go away and figure out what the fuck is going on mm-hmm. with his life. And she has a lot of thoughts to have about this motherfucker if she if he ever shows back up. But it leaves the door slightly ajar, which allows for the last scene of the film when he, when they're all back together to not feel tacked on. Mm-hmm. And I'll say that that is an exceptional job of writing and directing and performance and all of that through every aspect of the film to allow a scene that is that awkward and that horrible for one character for what they're admitting and what they're how they're handling it to be able to recover within the same film and not have a ton of like a ton of like oh well that kind of just felt tacked on shit Mm -hmm. like when she sees him again at the boys recital where he terribly sings killing me softly and then then hugh grant's character sings it even worse is is all you need he needs that humility that moment of humility that moment of messiness i love uh bringing up that that scene because talking about messiness talking about not nailing it right before Nicholas Holt's character goes on to perform that song with well, what was going to be a recorder accompaniment, uh-huh. which would have been epic. Yep. Um, he's trying to convince him not to do it. Yeah. Don't, this is, this is suicide. Don't go out there. And, and he even says that to him, which is of course not great because yeah. his mother, yeah. um, and I mean, why he's doing it is trying to make his mom happy. So all these reasons, yeah. um, his, his character is, is doing a really bad job of being supportive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he fails at it. Yeah. And he makes the kid feel even worse. 
And the kid still goes out to do it. And it's only in his action following that of stepping on stage with the guitar, being his support. Mm -hmm. That's it's so it's so beautiful to show you can you can fuck up. Mm -hmm. Keep trying. Yeah. Keep trying. Keep trying to repair what you fucked up. And and you you phrase it really well there, because I think the film gives you reasons Reasons for this person to do something. Reasons why they're wrong. Reasons why they're going to try to get better at what they're doing. And all of those reasons play out. And we're, and it's a rare film that I find that uses narration really well mm-hmm. to lay out the reasons that the scenes that are around those narrations can flesh out. So that we can start seeing how things are uh, perpendicular to each other. That... Like this butts up against this, so we have to have some sort of resolution or conflict, or we have to understand the reason for it. And they're going to try to explain it in real time. And that feels really genuine with all of this. And it feels like the film is as much about listening to the person who you're talking to and taking into account for yourself what they're asking and letting that be on both sides. Be like, okay, so you're, this is where you think, like all the conversations that he has with, that he, Hugh Grant has with Nicholas Holt are two-sided conversations. And you could argue that, well, it's really adult that the kid is talking like that, but who gives a fuck? You're constructing a movie. So like, if you're going to construct the movie and have a movie about how you build a family, you're going to have to have pieces of what a family is. You're Mm going to have to have somebody who represents a parent, somebody Mm -hmm. who represents a child, like, and have a conversation about what those things mean to each other and what reasons they bring to that. And I think the film does a really exceptional job presenting all those reasons and letting them fail when they're trying to prove that they're right and then realize that they're wrong. Mm-hmm. And while I don't love the fact that Tony Collette offers uh, her son at the end McDonald's no. as a as a prize, because it's not. No. Uh, but she uh, does, and she doesn't think so either. Right, but she, she, uh, like he had asked for McDonald's earlier, mm-hmm. and so she's heard him. Mm-hmm. She's responding to something he wanted in a kind way, in an open way, in a generous, communicative way, not as just like, well, you did this, so let's go get McDonald's. It's like there's something really pleasant about how they're communicating about what he wants moving forward. Right, which is sort of. To fit in, to be part of the community, and she's trying to help him become an individual. Yeah. But in order to become an individual, you kind of need to understand the rules mm-hmm. on some level. To break the rules, you got to know what they are. Yeah. And so he's still trying to navigate what those rules are, how to blend, how to have friends. Mm-hmm. And he never it does really fit in, but he creates a friend group. Yes. He finds his people once he's allowed to participate in it in his own way. Yeah. Which is only through the blending of both his mother mm-hmm. and um, and Hugh Grant's character. Yeah. Where they, were, yeah. And what you said earlier, just it, the relationship with Hugh Grant and Nicholas Holt is a lovely evolution. Mm-hmm. Like you get to see it build. You get to see them start off antagonistic. You get to see where, how kind of Hugh Grant's character wins over Nicholas Holt without even wanting to. Yeah. Um, he's just sort of stuck there and the kid's just stuck and he needs some help. And so. Yep. You just see that, like, I'm just going to keep coming back. I'm going to keep coming back in the kid way. Yeah. As we know, you know, like, p- kids are, everybody says kids are resilient. They're not. They're just start trying to survive. And they're going to f- they're gonna get their eye on the prize and figure out what is going to help them survive. Yeah. They're determined to survive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and they're, whew. Yeah. I love his little character. I love his character. I love their relationship. And, and one last scene before we jump uh, jump over to uh, 
uh, Last Christmas that I want to discuss is the actual exceptional scene in which Tony Collette confronts Hugh Grant at dinner. I love the scene. And and the moment that that they afford uh, that they give to Nicholas Holt's character of saying, "I'm hearing them argue, and I know that Will is right, and my mom is wrong." And I'm con- like, basically, I'm confused by that. It mm-hmm. didn't make sense. And it's so lovely that they they present that not to prove that Will is right, but to show how smart the kid is, mm-hmm. like that he recognizes his place in this argument and that the art that the conversation that happens that that Tony Collette basically is coming to this restaurant to uh, to tell Hugh Grant that he's a pedophile right. and to confront him about it doesn't end with that Mm -mm. it ends with tony collette hearing him and being like okay so you're you're you understand my son more tell me what i'm missing right and she does it very confrontationally and then they have a conversation and they listen to each other and it's fucking exceptional yeah like it it she sits her ass down she's like fine yeah let's do this yeah but she does mean it she's not there to just be like screw you so you're wrong you're wrong you're wrong she's like wait what's going on yeah like i i I really yeah, go ahead. And to, and to have it in that moment when he's out with his one of his best friends who's been berating him this entire film for being a disaster and a failure because he doesn't have a family, because he doesn't have a career, mm-hmm. because he doesn't have a girlfriend. Yep. Like the idea that Will is a failure mm-hmm. because he's single mm-hmm. and child free and wealthy. Yeah. Like what? Yeah. But I understand what she's saying because he's he isn't fulfilling she sees him as having a lot of potential yeah but it's her potential yeah not what his reality is you make a really great point with that because the film is about fulfilling your own potential not what somebody else's potential is of you or Mm -hmm. their belief like even if like he becomes friend like even if he's like the surrogate father to uh, to nicholas holt it's not that he's fulfilled their potential he's he's finding his own Mm -hmm. yeah he doesn't want to be the godparent to her daughter imogene Mm -hmm. he's like no i don't want to do it and he says some nasty things yeah um but he's honest about it he's like this is not a good choice yeah you think this is a great choice you think this is gonna fix me you're gonna you're not gonna change me i don't want to i am not this person you keep pretending i am Mm -hmm. and it's only when he chooses Mm -hmm. when he's when he chooses for himself who he wants yep then he can be a a good mentor a good friend yeah a good boyfriend a good whatever family uh-huh. member because in that final scene his quote best friend and her family are not at that family dinner yeah they're not there no nope. it's rachel vice it's tony collette it's nicholas holt it, it's, it's the guy from <laughs> amnesty international i think <laughs> yep that he sets her up on a date and, and it's rachel vice's kid who's fucking amazing that kid is so, <laughs> so good he's so adorable when he wants to threaten to murder oh, Nicholas Holt. <laughs> he's so cute he does such a good job he's so aggressive but he uh, does such a great job with that character especially uh-huh. when you balance it with rachel vice yeah <laughs> he's awesome yeah he really is oh i love that kid yeah yeah no that's a great scene i love that scene mm-hmm. i it's essential it's yeah. an essential element to that film and i love that it always happens in the same restaurant and and what's interesting about uh about a boy versus not versus in comparison of like better or worse but just like in comparison uh to while you're sleeping is about a boy is about making choices and the ramifications of that active choices she makes one choice which is to lie and then she tries to hide that lie 
it for mm-hmm. a really long time. So it's almost like the choice is an avoidance of choice, mm-hmm. which if it weren't for how fucking charming she and Bill Pullman are, I'm not sure if that film works as well because they become almost non-characters because they're not making choices. They're trying to, like, Bill Pullman's trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. Right, he's on, he's on to her. But she's just, like, she's just diverting, diverting, diverting. Whereas in About a Boy, and maybe this is, maybe I'm being too harsh on this, but but whereas in About a Boy, they're constantly making choices and they're constantly making bad choices. Yeah. And, and they're being called out upon it. And so these bad choices allow for a natural growth of character for all of them. Whereas in While You Were Sleeping, I almost say that nobody grows as a character at all. No, you, nobody grows as like, a character. Like there's nothing like... Not they, even Saul. Yeah, they're not different. Like they're not uh, substantially different from where they started. Not, no. Not in a massive way. She gets exactly what she wants. Whereas uh, Hugh Grant gets nothing that he wants based on what his optimum his beginning right, statement is to be alone yeah he gets the reverse of what he was looking for and and Sand, sandra bullock gets exactly what she was looking mm-hmm. for but i think that we know more about uh hugh grant's character will by the end than we do about sandra bullock's and i think that that's really interesting to wonder or to conf- or reflect upon are we seeing ideals of the decade that they're made in mm-hmm. is the ideal of the nineties. Like you find your man, find your family and everything will be good. Yeah. Everything, get everything sort, you want. Yeah. Everything else will sort That's itself out. All you have to worry about. Yeah. And in about a boy, they're like, you see the struggle that he's had for his life. And his final decision is, yes, I'm going to build this family. I'm going to construct a bunch of like orphans for lack of a better term. Yeah. And we will all collectively come together and create this family unit mm-hmm. as we define it, as we want it. And that's the ideal for the aughts. Yeah. And then we go into the into the 2020s. Yeah. The ideal is to find yourself, yeah. as we discussed and, earlier. And in and, and getting into Last Christmas, it's a, like, uh, obviously, as we've already said, spoilers, like everywhere. So, like, <laughs> By the way, we're until the end of everything. Yeah, so Just want to let you know, 40 minutes in. But, like, there's a, but a, also <laughs> specifically here, like the... the the, the fact that she's like having a conversation with her heart, mm-hmm. literally having a conversation with her heart throughout the entirety of the film. Like her heart is telling her where to go. It's trying to place her in a, in, in a place to succeed. And she's actively chasing her heart around London, mm-hmm. which is an incredibly wonderful metaphor. Yeah. And it's like, it's it's a fucking love like it's a fucking lovely like thought, mm-hmm. but it is a thought of an individual. It's not the thought of a group or being part of a group. It can lead you to other people because like the real like the fantasy of last Christmas, the biggest fantasy, and I take into account the fact that like she's talking to a ghost, is that at the end of the film, her domineering mother, her depressed father, her in the closet sister. And her sister's girlfriend would all be celebrating happily at a homeless shelter for an event she put on. Mm-hmm. It's not just like, let me be clear. There's a reason to celebrate that. Yeah. And, and like, it's there, beautiful. Like it's an, there's an absolute reason to celebrate that. But those characters based on what we've seen moving, moving throughout the film, I don't necessarily believe that they would be celebrating that moment together. But... It is yeah. a, it is a wonderful representation of the fantasy of her heart making her whole. Yeah, 
like and that her heart making her whole has helped heal everyone around her which is fucking lovely so let's talk a little bit about uh the ghost about uh her heart uh because i think both Henry of Henry Golding yeah i both i think both of us kind of feel that he represents this kind of manic pixie dream boy yeah He's stunning. Mm-hmm. I mean, ridiculously beautiful. He rides a bike. He rides a bike eloquently. Yeah. He, but if you could ride a bike eloquently, yes, which is not possible, yeah. he does. He rides it with words. <laughs> okay, so yeah, that didn't make sense. But <laughs> he is... Elegantly? Elegantly, thank okay. you. <laughs> I still don't know where I was going with it, but let's lean into it. Oh. Uh, but no, he's beautiful. He's fun. He's magical. He's romantic. And he has no Job. self yeah. Yeah, beyond and, that. Yeah, he's he, just like the perfect guy. Yeah, he knows wonderful places to go that are interesting and unique. And he's always telling her to look up and mm-hmm. see other things outside of her periphery. Mm-hmm. Which he's is kind of funny because she's she is like pocket sized. So like you can just put her in your pocket and walk around with with her. Yeah. The itty bittyest. And she and he and he is whimsical and eccentric mm-hmm. and you know works at a homeless shelter and is so giving mm-hmm. and we know nothing else about him yep and even when we get to his apartment which of course we learn it's a for sale which is why it's empty you get the sense that it's like that normally anyway yeah they regardless of what his apartment actually looked like when he lived in it it is a perfect representation of him he's yeah. kind of empty inside there's nothing there like, like he's he is he is like a piece of candy. He's ultimately sweet, but doesn't give you any nutrients. Like, well, it's interesting that you brought up earlier that there is good representation in this film, and there is, in terms of having diverse characters. Mm-hmm. But I don't think there's necessarily good representation in terms of them as fully formed humans. Right. And that's actually interesting, because we don't get to know his character at Tom Webster. Yep. Like, really? That, okay. Yep. Um, Tom Webster has no, we have no understanding of him. Who is he? Yeah. Where are his, what is, who, what are his flaws? Mm-hmm. What, you know, she, her, she's angry at him because he keeps disappearing because mm-hmm. he's a ghost and she doesn't know it yet. Yeah. But like, wh- where's his depth? Yeah. You know, which we get in uh, about a boy. We get the, the mess up, the muckiness, the dirtiness, the mm-hmm. fucked upness, all the mistakes. Yeah. And we even get that with Bill Pullman, like mm-hmm. all of his mistakes in, in while you were sleeping. Mm-hmm. Like, like, and Tony Collette's mistakes. Mm-hmm. And Rachel Weiss doesn't really get to have any mistakes because she's perfect. Yeah. And then, <laughs> but, but yeah, no, it's it, it, the family's mistakes. Mm-hmm. And in uh, while you're sleeping, yeah. um, Peter Gallagher's piece of shit. Mm hmm. Ashley Bartley Bacon's amazing. Yeah. She's perfect. It's of her nose and her boobs. It's funny because out of the three films, this is the only one that feels like an I narrative, like a first mm. person narrative. The other two very much feel like uh, we or third person or second person. Like if we were looking at a, at a book, mm-hmm. like it would be t- like this feels like it would be a first person story, like, like a diary entry type of first person story. Uh, it probably has more in line in that regards with like Bridget Jones of being like mm-hmm. a first person's fuck up yeah. than it being a uh, a narrative that is uh, fully fleshed with everybody else. Every every other every other character has their thing, and I will I, I will uh, I, I will put a little caveat to that because I think Michelle Yeoh in this film 
is exceptional. She's awesome. Like she's she's so funny and charming and adorable and fucking awesome and, and it's badass and and, and the total pissed off. and total opposite of what she's allowed to do in Shang Chi, which is just an awful boring fucking film. Yes. Yeah. So no, like, she brings so much to her character, Santa. Yeah. So much to her character. I love how pissed she is all the time uh-huh. at Amelia Clark. I love how she's constantly calling her out. Mm-hmm. She's reminding her of who she used to be yeah. and how she could be good again. And uh-huh. and when she starts to make a change, when Amelia Clark's character starts to change, mm-hmm. you know, Katarina, she's like, yeah, okay, look, I'm a, I see you. I see you changing. I see you trying. Mm-hmm. And I like, I support and respect that. Yeah. But also you're a piece of shit. So yeah. keep going. Yeah. And I love that. She's like constantly sassing her. Yeah. It's, there are, there are three characters maybe that have really interesting uh really interesting character choices or or beings in this film and it's like Emma Thompson, Emily Clark, Amelia Clark and Michelle Yeoh. Mm-hmm. Everybody else they're fine. They there's nothing there's, there's a lot of space. Yeah, there really isn't any space in the room for them. Like they everybody else has to have a minor set of uh complications or or choices whereas those three can have like the majority of problems in the room, mm-hmm. like they're the ones who take up space, and that's not necessarily a bad thing because Mm-mm. if you have a film that's too full of people who are taking up space emotionally, you don't really have any chance for any fun, and that's probably why the uh, the Henry Golding character is so kind of like whimsical and sprite like. Mm-hmm. It's like, what is he supposed to do? Right. Like how? I mean- like if if you give him problems as the heart you're 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 muddling a narrative structure mm-hmm. i think i know i don't know it's a challenge yeah he, I, and I, I i love the film yeah and i also think that he does a wonderful job oh, in it God. like he's super fucking charming and he's lovely amazing. like it's it but it feels in, he's so freaking charming yeah it, but it feels like kind of like like a a, a knockoff brand of a wong car Wai charmer like like it doesn't feel like as good as a tony lung in in uh chunking express but i would say he matches the charm of bill pullman and sandra bullock yes he does so of this genre Mm -hmm. piece Mm -hmm. this this hollywood hollywood style holiday movie he's like super exactly right there he matches the level of sandy Mm -hmm. he matches the level of bill pullman yeah i would make out with all three of them yeah what's interesting is is not just the fact that you would make out with all three of them all three of them but is is also that it might be a performance from a bygone era because mm. Amelia Clark's performance is completely different. I feel like it fits. It doesn't feel out of place, but it it's different than both Emma Thompson's performance and Henry Golding's performance. Amelia Clark has a very, very kind of I don't, modern seems like the wrong word, but it's it's like it's a di- it, it feels like a performance from a different era, whereas a different era than uh, the broad Yugoslavian performance that Emma Thompson is giving or the uh, classic uh, Henry Golding performance, which f- would feel totally in line with like watching Bringing Up Baby. Like I could imagine mm-hmm. him as as Cary Grant in that film. I could imagine. Or him, as Henry Fonda and Lady Eve. Or, yeah. Or even Henry Fonda and fucking uh, 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 My Darling Clementine. Mm-hmm. Like. He's- got a classic style to him yeah and, and it, it it feels the performance feels performative but not like that doesn't i don't mean that in a negative sort of Mm-mm. way it, it feels performative in this way that 
you know that you're trying to get a specific response from an audience and you can get that response. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel like, I don't mean this in a negative way. It doesn't feel grounded. Like, whereas Amelia Clark's performance and the things she's going through feel like they come from a very grounded place. Which is a really interesting idea, thinking of him as a ghost. Yeah. So maybe it was an incredibly specific choice mm-hmm. to to put him into this Hollywood era yeah. performance so that it felt airy and mm-hmm. and flighty and like intangible, like you can't grab onto it. Yeah. Whereas Amelia Clark is supposed to be like so stuck to the ground, yeah. stuck in her sadness stuck in the challenge of trying to live with this new heart that isn't hers mm-hmm. and define herself as this new person. And it actually also gives us something really wonderful to grow to for that moment that I was talking about at the end of being fantasy. Like when she has accepted her heart and accepted who she is, she's best able to kind of match those two worlds, which also, and I feel like I'm talking myself into everybody's performance as being good rather than where I was kind of started. <laughs> but, but like, but it also allows for, uh, Emma Thompson's character's broad performance to also live in that world where Amelia Clark starting grounded and becoming more present in the world or, or more f- uh, flighty in the world and uh, Henry Golding's character being really flighty and then disappearing because of like her acceptance of, of her heart. Like all of that allows all these other performances as minor as they are to exist within it. And it feels, I would almost say, that the performance that everybody is aiming to give is Michelle Yeoh's performance. That she's all of those things all of the time. As the center. She's yes. like the center of the film. Yeah. she is. Oh, I really like that. She's like, she's like, her performance is so grounded and, and flighty. Like when she finds her, uh, her her uh her boyfriend the german and she's boy. basically and she's she calls him boy and she's basically like fuck now i had to like sauerkraut who likes fermented food fuck <laughs> like it, there's some but she does it in such a charming way of like like reaching for the stars or jumping off the ground it feels like her performance feels like watching a great dancer just skate around the floor like it feels like it barely touches the ground but you know all the power for their moves comes from the strength of moving with the ground. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. She is incredible in this film. Yeah. It's worth it to watch it just for her performance, but mm-hmm. all the rest of them are good too. Yeah. So it's worth it to watch it for everybody. Yeah. As hopefully you will know, because we spoiled everything about the movie. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to be surprised at the end of this. What? <laughs> like, it was he's, what? He's a ghost? Huh? <laughs> Ooh, awkward. Yeah. Oh, well. But I do, and I do love that two of these films take place in London. Mm-hmm. That fills up my heart. Yeah. Being, having grown up there, it's really nice to see it. Yeah. And, and again, like I was saying for, for while you were sleeping, like this film's stakes are not that huge. Well, let me put it this way. The stakes of being okay with who you are. Huge. And, and, and accepting yourself as a person that is flawed and hopeful and, and, and sometimes problematic is are huge like they're in incredibly huge but they're also not avengers stakes of there's a, a person who's going to snap half of the world out of existence and like, how refreshing yeah and how refreshing we like, don't need stakes like that all the time just the the stakes of i have to accept myself as a being on this planet are fucking huge enough for every single one of us well, every day and isn't that enough i mean isn't that what makes it kind of like a perfect hollywood film or yeah. not hollywood but a holiday film because this is kind of the reckoning. It's always this time of year that you kind of reckon with who you are, mm-hmm. 
where you stand in your family, where you don't stand in your family. Yeah. Like, what does that mean for you? And coming up to the new year, yeah. who do I want to be next year? Yeah. How do I want to start again? It's it's almost all these films are about reflecting on the things that you've wanted and how that's going to change as you move forward. And there's something really lovely about each one of these films reflections on who these people are. And like the thing I've said this before, but I love it. Like the thing about cinema is that it always is going to be the same. The film, once it's done is always the same. I mean, some people go back and change things, but whatever. (laughs) But for the most part, the, the core structure of the film is the same. It's me. Who's going to change. Like I'm going to come to last Christmas in 10 years and have a different feeling of it. And Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean the film is better or worse. It just means that I've changed and now I've picked up other things. And there's something incredibly beautiful about having a view that is different than what you had yesterday. Mm-hmm. And and a film that is like, hey, I'm going to reflect on who I've been and who I could be is such a wonderful mirroring of that. It's interesting, too, from the perspective of us being filmmakers, when you're making a film. Mm-hmm. So we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, our, our movie Citywide, the trailer came out today. And it's really interesting having worked on that film now. This is our third year Mm -hmm. of working on the film where we started with the script Mm -hmm. and where we are now in our edit. Mm -hmm. We've been editing the film for about a year now Mm because we finished shooting right before pandemic. um, Right before pandemic. Yeah. Weeks before everyone went into lockdown. We finished principal shooting. And what's really interesting is as you edit a film and you work on it, what it meant to you when you wrote it mm-hmm. and what it meant to us as we were starting to shoot it means something completely different to us now. Yeah. And it's even, if you go back, we, we talked about self tape earlier in the series. Mm-hmm. It's our short film, um, self tape available in the show notes. If you want to watch it, um, that film also meant something incredibly different to us when we made it. Mm-hmm. And over the course of time of us editing it, which was another two year period of us putting it together in yeah. the edit meant something so different to us. As each year, as each year passed, we'd look at the film and we'd recut it. We'd uh, like tinker with it until it was just perfect for us. And of course, no film is ever perfect. You always want to change a million things later. Mm-hmm. But it means something to me even now that it's out than it did when we finished editing it. Mm-hmm. Like it's wild how from the perspective of an audience, you can watch something and it changes. But from the perspective of the artist, it also changes. No matter what we meant when we started, it becomes its own thing. Yeah. And then that evolves even further as yeah. we change. Yeah. And it's really interesting. Yeah. Film is just a really interesting medium. Well, it all, it's what the best art does. Like when I look at Magritte paintings now, they mean something different to me than when I saw them when I was 20. Like it's like our ability to shift our perspective and where we are versus the item, the, mm-hmm. the, the text that's in front of us is is one of the more fortunate things that we get to have as human beings and, yeah. and being able to reflect on those things in real time and then change our opinion on it is fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. And it's why I love to encourage people to watch movies more than once mm-hmm. and to watch them over the course of decades. Yeah. Um, because you just, you just, you're going to change and yeah. the film is going to change and your remembering, your memory of it is going to change. And there's a really good podcast you guys might um, not know about. It's called Final Girls. Mm-hmm. And they talk about horror. Mm-hmm. And they talk about feminism and horror. But it's really fun because they often will go back and do a, a podcast on the same film 
with other people mm-hmm. like a few years later they, they just did the craft and they did it that was the first episode they did and so they did it a second time with new people to talk about it but it's fun to hear people say oh i love this film when i was a kid or i love this film when i was in my 20s and this is i've watched this film every decade mm-hmm. this means something so different to me now and I just rewatched it again. I couldn't believe it. I didn't see these things. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's really important to yeah. allow time to take up space in yeah. the room when you're participating in art. Yeah, it's it, it's an old Robert Altman quote. Like he he always argued with people that they'd never really seen his film if they'd only watched it once because you you don't listen to an album once. You don't listen to a song once. You don't go well. I looked at that Monet for one blink and now i understand it completely it's like there's so much artistry and and craft in all of these in all these things that we're describing right now that the idea that you get it all in one go is so foolhardy it's really laughable yeah i mean we were talking about this not too long ago specifically so uh, an interesting thing about last christmas uh we were struggling with how do we how is there any kind of indication that he's a ghost mm mm-hmm. mhm in the cinematography. Mm-hmm. There isn't. Mm-hmm. There isn't any kind of thing that that is letting us a tip of the hat to the audience that maybe all is not what it seems to be. Mm-hmm. They they kind of try to fix that, I think, at the end mm-hmm. when they do a series of shots of her where she thought she was with him mm-hmm. and now she's alone. Mm-hmm. Um, that Kate is without Tom and, oh, she's changing and those guys are kind of whistling at her. Mm-hmm. Um, and she thought he was covering her with his coat yeah. or she's ice skating and she's by herself. And you made a really interesting point, which was it's a shame they didn't use reflections. Mm-hmm. It's a shame they didn't set shots up like through the doorway when they're ice skating so that we only see her and we see her da- skating with herself mm-hmm. in the, and then we go through and oh, there he is. Yeah. Right. So if we had a little tip of the hats, like she was in reflections of all those mirrors, those glasses, the storefronts she was walking by. Yeah. That we saw her constantly talking with herself, and then we reveal, no, he's there. Yeah, if the if if the film's visual setup had been reflections and reveals, that would have been such a beautiful way to tell the same story. And, yeah, and if there is a fault with that film, it's that the director, I don't think, is that creative. No, he's not that good of a director. No, he gets really great performances. Yeah, and he gets really good actors in the room together, mm-hmm. and then he. That's as far as he goes. Yeah, he gets really simple films made. Yeah. Like visually simple. And they're and, good. They're yeah, fun. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with it because I'm going to fucking watch this film for yeah. a, a really long time and really fucking enjoy doing it. Yeah. And Emma Thompson is a really good writer. Yes. And has been yes. from the jump. Yeah. She's a wonderful writer. So yeah. it's worth there. Again, that goes back to this idea of like a lot of people make a piece of art, a film. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are part of the process. Yeah. A lot of visions come together. Mm-hmm. And um, and if you can get that last little bit, yeah. like that final touch that just brings that extra bit of magic, then you've made a masterpiece. Yeah. But those are so few and far yeah. between. Not everybody does a masterpiece and not not every film needs to be. No. Like, like just having a film that's really enjoyable is really worth having. Yeah. He doesn't get in the way of his films. No. And we appreciate that. But it would have been nice to have you know, just a little bit yeah. something. Yeah. But all three of the films are really, really so good, good films and really, are really enjoyable Christmas or holiday films to watch now. Or- they're so full. Mm-hmm. They're so full of characters. They're so full of stories. They're so full of 
life. Yeah. And big hearts. They all have big hearts. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that. Yeah, and at this time of year, with all the things that are, that are that can be problematic with with relationships or with families or with with your heart, it's nice to have something that is out there that can fill a little bit of that space. And that's kind of why we chose to do these films this time. Yeah. So we hope you enjoyed them. Yeah. So now move on to some things that we stumble upon. Mm-hmm. Austin, do you have any films that you would like to recommend to stumble upon next? Yeah, I, I do have a film that I really, really love um, that I want to, that I like to have other people stumble upon. It's this wonderful film by Oliver S.A.S. called Irma Vemp. Mm. Uh, it, he, in fact, is remaking it right now to be a television series. Really? Yeah. Uh, but the original one stars Maggie Chung, who's fucking phenomenal. And it's a really interesting film about how a film gets made. And uh, it's about a, a Chinese uh, star, Maggie Chung, who, who gets hired to star in a remake of a French classic and she doesn't really speak French at all, but she speaks English and Chinese, or I think Mandarin to, to be specific. And and she comes to the set and it's a disaster and everything's going chaotically sideways. And it's just a really compelling film. And at the core of it, there's, there's this really wonderful relationship between Maggie Chung and the costume designer that is just an exceptional representation of... Uh, of friendship and how it can kind of go sideways within the process of a film. And I just like, I love their scenes together. They're some of my favorite scenes in cinema. It is just a wonderfully down and dirty, like energetic piece of art. That sounds awesome. And I would love to watch that with you mm-hmm. over the next few weeks. Yeah. So some films that I would recommend to stumble upon next. I want to stick to the holiday theme mm-hmm. of today's podcast. And I'm going to recommend a couple different ones. Mm-hmm. Dash and Lily, which was a Netflix special. Which I still think should be called Lily and Dash. I do agree. Uh, whatever. It's definitely Lily and Dash, not Dash and Lily. I don't know why yeah. they made that mistake. Yeah, whatever. Somebody was not consulting me yeah. before they titled it, yeah. which is weird. Yeah. Um, but it's a really sweet um, <laughs> teen romance uh, miniseries. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I just really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really f- sweet story. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of fun. And it's, I think, I don't know how many episodes. I think six. Six. Yeah. So totally worth it. Yeah. Another stumble upon I would recommend would be a favorite of mine, Christmas in Connecticut. Mm. Definitely don't worry about the first 10 minutes. They're really boring. But mm-hmm. then you get into Barbara Stanswick and knocks it out of the park. Yeah. She knocks it out of the park. She's amazing. Yeah. Her and Sydney Greenleaf mm-hmm. are fucking amazing. This is a great film. Yeah. Highly recommend it. It's good. It's got a lot of Christmas vibes. If you're feeling like you need a tree, mm-hmm. you need some issues with people misunderstanding who each other are. You got a lot of, you know, it's while you were sleeping vibes of, yeah. of lying about things. Uh-huh. Um, but there are repercussions. Yep. And um, it's just really charming. Yep. And like I said, the first 10 minutes are super boring. Yeah. But once you get through that, it's great. Yeah. The whole rest of it is awesome. Yeah. Eat your popcorn loudly during the mm-hmm. first 10 minutes because you don't really <laughs> need to know any of the narrative no. things that are happening. Just as soon as she shows up, as soon as Barbara Stanswick shows up, and you'll know when she shows up mm-hmm. if you don't know who she is because you're like, that's the badass, mm-hmm. then then you can you can choose softer. Yeah. And you know, you <laughs> choose softer. And while, <laughs> while there's definitely some things that don't age well, yeah. like it, there, she is a feminist. Yep. She's a working woman. Mm-hmm. She's she's 
lying about a bunch of things. It's f- she's fantastic and she's yeah. very feminist. Yeah. Um, I love it. So I would recommend Christmas in Connecticut yeah. and Dash and Lily. And I have one more recommendation, mm-hmm. which is going to be our next episode. Mm-hmm. If you have not seen it, I highly recommend The Apartment. Yes. With Jack Lemmon and Shirley MacLaine. Mm-hmm. Definitely watch this film. Yeah, it is. It is the best. It is the best holiday film for me. Like mm-hmm. it covers all of the bases. It co- covers all the hope and sadness and confusion and wonderfulness of of being, you know, in this season. Yeah. And and Billy Wilder, who's the director of it, was he had a run of films that are just that are almost incomparable for any other filmmaker. Mm-hmm. And this is to me, this is the highlight of all those all those films. Yeah. You want a masterpiece. Yeah. Here you go. Yeah. So on that note. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much for listening and spending some time with us this yeah. afternoon, evening, or really early in the morning. I don't know when you're listening. No, we don't. But but I can enjoy the time <laughs> with you, I guess. Well, we had fun. Yes. And we hope you do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, happy holidays, everyone. Happy holidays. 